The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Nathan, and I will be your host for today. And there is no one joining me. <laughs> I'm just here all by myself, me and you guys. Uh, hopefully this will be a productive and encouraging time for you. I'm excited about the topic that we're about to that we're about to dive into. Um, the over the course of this last summer, uh, me and many other of our forge itinerants have been traveling across the United States and around the world. Uh, you guys know that Charlie travels uh, all over the world and to all kinds of different places. And many of the people we've had on this podcast do the exact same. Uh, we all travel from place to place. That's what makes us itinerant. And as we go from place to place, we preach the gospel and we, as the ministry of forge, as speakers who are affiliated with forge have a mission to raise up more kingdom laborers. And in case this is the first time you've ever listened to Fuel for the Harvest, kingdom laborers are people who love God, who love others, who advance his mission every day, everywhere. Uh, ordinary people like stay-at-home moms or stay-at-home dads or business people or teachers or police officers or uh, anybody, I mean, like literally anybody, dental hygienists and grandmas and anybody and everybody can be used by God. Anybody who loves Jesus and loves others and wants to advance his kingdom can and God desires to use them uh, to reach them. So that's that's the mission of kingdom laborership. And that's what we're all about at Forge. And as we go from place to place and preach, um, and this is true for me, and I know that it's true for others as well. One of the things that I've discovered personally, especially is that one of the things that people have to wrestle with as they seek to become kingdom laborers is the cost of following Jesus. You know, when I was growing up, the idea that following Jesus had some kind of cost was a completely foreign idea. Uh, like it wasn't even, it wasn't something that I had heard and rejected. It was something that I could not even have conceived of because I had not ever read it. Um, I grew up in a very kind of stereotypical evangelical setting. And what do you hear in a stereotypical evangelical setting? Well, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that that the salvation is a free gift. And that, of course, is true. That, I'm not de denying that or undermining it in any way. What I am saying, though, is that there is something that many of us have missed, which is Jesus's own words time and time again in the gospel, which is that following him will cost us. And if you're if you read what Jesus says with a discerning eye, and it honestly, it doesn't take much interpretation, you realize that it doesn't just cost you something. Following Jesus will cost you everything. 
So don't try to earn your salvation because you can't. That's a free gift from God. No matter how good you are, you're not earning your way to God. So don't even try. Jesus paid the price for your sins. But as someone who has had your sins paid for by the blood of Jesus, you can't earn it no matter what. Uh, Jesus calls us to follow him. And when he calls us to follow him, he says things like, take up your cross and follow me. He says this in Matthew in particular, and also in Luke. I'm, I'm personally looking at Luke chapter 14 right now, uh, beginning in verse 26, Jesus is speaking and he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And uh, it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting passage because many of us growing up, or if you've spent time in an evangelical church, many of us have been uh, almost programmed to believe that Christianity is free. Uh, but what I've come to discover through Jesus's own words not just here in, in Luke 14, but in many other places, including Luke chapter 9 and others and Matthew, uh, you discover that following Jesus comes at a cost. It's not free. It, it will cost you something, which is just a bummer, depending on how you look at it. Uh, this passage that we just looked at here in Luke chapter 14, uh, just to, to bring some clarification, obviously Jesus is not teaching us to hate people. That, that would go against the entire rest of the whole narrative of scripture. Like that, that is not at all what he's trying to say. He's trying to say, well, he, what he is saying is that compared to how much we love him, we have to love everybody else quite a bit less. Um, this is something that flies in the face of what we've heard in our culture for a really long time, which is that like family's number one and do everything for family and family and family and family. And then Jesus's words here in Luke 14 seem to fly in the face of that. And I remember as a 19 year old or a 20 year old reading these words for like the first time and being like, like there was this funny feeling in my guts, like, whoa, like everything I've been told for my whole life seems to be incorrect here in this moment. Uh, it, it doesn't seem right that Jesus would, it doesn't seem right that Jesus wouldn't want me to prioritize my family. Of course, we learn in, in other places in scripture that it's okay to like really love your wife and really care for your children. Like it's okay. And, and Jesus even says you need, or the scriptures even tell us that we need to die for them. Like, in Ephesians, like we need to die. We need to love our wives as Christ loved the church and died for her. Like it's a big deal. So what is he trying to say? Like I said, it's all about how much we love him compared to how much we love others. And I think that there's a reason that Jesus did this because when we love Jesus and then just below our love for Jesus, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see that my hands are really close together. Uh, but if you're just listening, so I put one hand kind of horizontally and then I put another hand just below it horizontally. And I've and basically what I'm saying is when we love Jesus just barely more than we love others, it's easy for like my wife to become more important than Jesus or my children to become more important than Jesus or or my job or my whatever things that I love. 
it's easy for those things to become more important than Jesus when the difference between my love for Jesus and my love for those things is minimal. But when I maximize my love for Jesus and the difference between my love for Jesus and my love for others is, is a large distance. So I've separated my hands now and it's this really incredibly large distance. What becomes very clear is it's very difficult for number two, whatever that might be, wife, children, family, whatever, whatever it might be, it's very difficult for number two to ever jump above number one because the amount that you love number one is so superior. Makes perfect sense why Jesus would say what he said. You got to love me so much that compared to how much you love me, you're hating all these other people. Like number two has to be a long way off. And then he says, if you want to be my disciple, you have to take up your cross daily and follow me. And uh, often when we hear this passage, our minds go to the English colloquialism, which is, well, we all have our crosses to bear. That is not what Jesus is talking about. He, he's not talking about the bad habits or the difficult people in your life or whatever, you know, whatever way that you interpret, well, we all have our crosses. That's not what he's talking about. When Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, he's saying what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse one and two which is that we have to, if we want to be followers of Jesus, in light of what Jesus has done for us, we should offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice. This is our holy and acceptable and spiritual act of worship. So it's quite simple, quite straightforward. Jesus is saying, love me, number one, and take up your cross and follow me. Basically die to yourself. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice because sacrifices have to die, right? In order for a sacrifice to be effective, it has to die. But that doesn't make a lot of sense in light of the fact that we live in a world where Jesus doesn't want human sacrifices <laughs> and we worship a God who doesn't want human sacrifices, which is why he uses the word living. And it makes it, it, it kind of is confusing, right? Like living sacrifice, it's a, like a juxtaposition. It's like two opposites. How can something be living and a sacrifice? Well, I think the the clear interpretation is this. A sacrifice loses its life. So I'm living, but still losing my life. So what does it mean to take up my cross and follow him? What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? It means to die to my own desires, to die to my own way, to die to my own will and say, Jesus, you're number one in everything, in all that I do, in all that I say, in how I spend my money and how I spend my time, in, in what I dedicate myself to. You are number one. That's what he's trying to say. Which flies in the face of everything that we've ever been taught. Well, not maybe not you, but me. Like, it flew in the face of everything I had ever been taught about Jesus. I thought following Jesus was free. But of course, that's just not true. Jesus says with his own words, it comes at a cost. And that if we want to follow him, we need to count that cost. Which is why I have this deep respect for people who don't just like jump into Jesus. Like you hear a sermon preached and, you, and, and, and a lot of people are responding to the gospel, but you don't. Like I have a lot of respect for people like that because you recognize that following Jesus comes at a cost and it wouldn't make a lot of sense for you to jump in with both feet and not count the cost. Jesus himself says, count the cost. It's good for you to count the cost. Of course, I want you to follow Jesus and I recommend that you don't wait and wait and wait in light of the fact that tomorrow is not a guarantee. However, I appreciate and have a lot of respect for those who, when they look at Jesus, they don't just look at what they can get out of him. They look at the cost to follow him and they're like, I'm going to count this cost. And when I make a decision for Jesus, it's going to be 
an emphatic yes. Those kinds of people, they're not the kinds of people who are going to be accused of being hypocrites. Uh, obviously, many Christians struggle because we preach one thing and do another. Like that's something that almost every Christian struggles with. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who make a lifestyle of hypocrisy. They're not going to be that way. The people who count the cost and weigh it and then make their decision, they're also not going to be the ones who everybody's pointing at and saying, you're doing one thing and saying another. Hallelujah. It's a good thing. All right. So here's the point. We talk about following Jesus as if it's this free thing. But salvation is free, not following Jesus. Following Jesus will cost you everything. And if you want to be a kingdom laborer, you got to learn to count that cost because being a kingdom laborer means getting into the mud puddles of people's lives. It means saying, Jesus, you're more important. So instead of using this $2,000 for a new four wheeler, I'm going to use this $2,000 to advance your kingdom in some form or fashion somewhere. And it means it, it, it's, it's all about our priorities. It's all about making Jesus number one. It's all about what does it look like to really, truly, actually follow Jesus and do the kinds of things he did? It got me wondering. If it's so clear in scripture, like so incredibly clear, like you don't really have to interpret, take up your cross and follow me. Like it's not, it's not that difficult to understand that the cross is a tool of death, suffering, and punishment. And if we want to follow Jesus, it means we have to die to ourselves. Like it's not that complicated. I mean, it's hard. Don't get me wrong. But it's not difficult to understand. It's not like a hidden truth. It's it's not veiled. You know, it's just it's right there, plain as day, in the open. And uh, there is another passage that parallels this passage in one of the other Gospels that literally phrases Jesus teaching on hating others, it literally phrases it as you just got to love them less. So you don't even have to interpret that one because the Bible interprets it for you. Like it's, it's just so obvious, which leads me to ask this question. If it's so obvious and it's so clear in scripture, why in the world is it so unknown? Why in the world was I 19 when I read for myself? that following Jesus comes at a cost. Why in the world is it the first, like for most of the people that I talk to, like it's only like the first or second or third time when I share this with them, they've never heard it before. Why? I imagine there's a, an abundance of reasons, but perhaps one of the most common is that we are afraid that if we tell people the truth about what it, what, what it means to follow Jesus, that they'll run in fear. Like, oh, following Jesus means that I have to die to my sin. Ugh, I don't know if I, that's kind of expensive. Like, I'm not sure I really want to do that. Or, oh, following Jesus means I might not get to like, just live on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. Like I might have to like engage his mission somehow, or I might have to be uncomfortable, or I might have to take risks, or I'm like, that's, that's hard for people. And I wonder if we as leaders in the body of Christ have grown wary of scaring people. And for that reason, jump over this passage. Or perhaps 
we don't want to live it and so we don't teach it <laughs> i don't know uh, there there's there's many possible answers of course i i'm not saying that one answer is true for everybody what i am saying is i know from experience i've over the course of the last summer i've spoken to hundreds and hundreds of people just this last summer and i can tell you many of them didn't know that following jesus came at a cost most of them 95 96 98 percent of them didn't know that following jesus came at a cost so that's a problem it's a big problem but i think it's a problem with a solution i think our fear is unfounded so i was preaching at this camp last week i'm not going to give details but uh the lord moved powerfully i shared a message kind of similar but longer than the one that i just shared with you and god moved in that room and these students uh were coming forward and saying jesus i want to go go all in for you and they were showing that they want to go all in for jesus by like laying prostrate before the lord and saying jesus all i am i'm bowed down before you all i am everything i am it's yours and then several nights later uh the last night of the camp the leaders very wisely i loved this the leaders gave the students the opportunity for like an hour to just share their testimonies of what god had done in their lives at camp and obviously this is a risk because you never know what's going to come flying out of a student's mouth but it ended up being this incredibly fruitful time because many of these students began to share about what God had done for them. And for many, it revolved like, like I think I heard 20 some testimonies for like 15 of those testimonies. It had something to do with surrender. Like this year at camp, I realized that I hadn't made Jesus number one yet. And I want to make Jesus number one. That came out of the mouth of like a 13 year old and others said very similar things i think there was like everything from like 11 year olds all the way up to 18 year olds and everything in between and they were all saying the same thing jesus i wanted to make jesus number one and i realized that i wasn't doing that and now i want to do it here's the hope the hope is that these students these people that we stereotype as being people who would not be willing usually to pay a cost to follow anybody like let alone jesus like they don't even want to go to soccer practice in order to play at the game kind of deal like that's the stereotype i'm finding time and time and time again that they they want to declare to jesus under no compulsion they want to tell jesus yeah jesus i want to make you number one if I, if I claim to follow you, I want to make you number one, which is to say, if these students can hear it and respond, I suspect that there are many out there who could do the exact same. I suspect that there are many adults out there and, and, and elders out there and uh, teens and preteens and children. I, I suspect that there are many out there who follow Jesus and claim to follow Jesus who are just blissfully walking, walking along, totally ignorant of the fact that following Jesus comes at a cost, who if they were to hear that Jesus says, hey, listen, it comes at a cost. Are you willing to pay that cost? They would emphatically say, yes. I don't think we have to fear 
the cost of following Jesus. I don't think we have to fear the co- uh, telling people the cost of following Jesus. Now, like it might not be the very first thing that comes out of your mouth when you're speaking to someone who's never heard the gospel before. Maybe the gospel, they need to hear that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and three days later rose again and they can have a relationship with God here and now and forevermore. Like maybe they need to hear that first, but this shouldn't be long behind. Because if there's one thing I've learned about people, people who have really encountered Jesus, Jesus is worth everything to them. They would sacrifice everything for Jesus because they know the incredible value that Jesus is. They understand the incredible value that Jesus brings. They understand that in all things in life, there is there's just not really a whole lot of satisfaction, but in Jesus alone, there is incredible satisfaction and joy and peace and contentment. They understand that because they've encountered him. They met him. They know him. They know what it means to follow him. They get it. You know, they get it. For those people, the cost of following Jesus is pennies. Jesus, you want everything? Oh, no problem, man. Obviously, that's difficult to live out. I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm just saying that's an easy choice. (laughs) I think that the choice becomes much more difficult when you've never actually encountered Jesus. If, If we go around thinking that Christianity is just my worldview. It's just the the frame through which I interpret the the things going on around me in my life. And and I've uh, kind of essentially removed Jesus out of the equation, which to be honest with you, doesn't make a lot of sense in light of the fact that being a Christian means being a follower of Christ. So Christ is kind of the center of it all. Jesus is like at the middle of everything. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to remove Jesus from the equation, does it? Sorry, I didn't mean that for that to come off as condescending. Like it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't make sense to take Jesus out of Christianity because it's Christianity, it's Christ, it's following Jesus. That's the whole point of it. But many of us do that. Many of us take Christ out of Christianity. And it just becomes our worldview or our frame of reference or whatever you want to say. It just, it just becomes the way through which we interpret our life. And of course, to that person, the cost of following Jesus is way too high. Jesus, you want everything. You don't just want 10%, you want 100%. You don't just want Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, you want all of it. You don't just want like some of my sin, you want you want to eliminate all of my sin from my life. You, you want me to love my wife even though she doesn't love me back. You want me to adjust my attitude even though I've decided I'm a grumpy old man and that's just how I'm always going to be. You want me? Are you sure, Jesus? That seems kind of hefty. Seems like a high price. I think I'll just stick with salvation. Thank you. To the person who has not encountered Jesus, the cost of discipleship seems a lot higher compared to the person who has encountered Jesus. But I can assure you of one thing. Those who make this trade, just like Jesus says, Anyone who seeks to save their life will lose it, but anyone who loses their loses their life for my sake will save it. Just like Jesus said. If you're willing to make the trade, if you're willing to say, Jesus, you're number one, what you'll discover is that the trade is, is, is incredibly, incredibly slanted in Jesus's favor. Because all the stuff that we chase after and run after and desire in this life, 
Roth, uh, Rust comes in and Moth destroys. Jesus, Jesus doesn't care who gets to the end with the most money in their hands or the biggest toys or the nicest cars or the or the fanciest house. Like he's not going to look at your church building. He's not going to look at your church building and be like, wow, it's an incredibly stunning building. <laughs> like, I don't think he's going to care. I think he's going to care that we lived for him. Basically, when you make the trade, the trade you're making is for you're giving up garbage, essentially, that rust comes in and moth destroys, and you're trading it for eternal kingdom treasure. Garbage for treasure. Seems hard in the moment. Don't get me wrong. I get it. But that's the reality of it. Like, garbage for treasure. Isn't he worthy of it? I think a lot more people would say yes if we were just willing to ask them that question. Isn't he worthy of it? Isn't he worthy of it? Well, that's it for this week's episode of Fuel for the Harvest. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. God bless.